0: Welcome to the kickoff for December 9th. My name is Christopher Edwards. It's been a while since an episode. Hopefully we can get on a roll here and just start churning them out uh, a lot for today. College football, a few notes from the games, Monday night football preview, Giants-Eagles tonight. And then we'll go over the three games from yesterday, that uh, uh, Sunday night game, um, and then 49ers Saints shootout. out their game of the year, and then Ravens-Bills cover Lamar, uh, more all week, uh, to start, like I said, college football um, Our bowls are set you know, Our playoffs are set after a championship weekend Our Rose Bowl, Oregon versus Wisconsin Wisconsin losing this weekend um, Oregon picking up a W, the Pac-12 championship against Utah They get the Rose Bowl berth there against Wisconsin Cotton Bowl, Penn State, Memphis Memphis head coach accepting the Florida State job after uh, this bowl game, he'll be there. Uh, it's a good berth, though, for Memphis and that kind of program to be able to get Cotton Bowl versus Penn State. Sugar Bowl, Georgia Baylor, um, two hard-fought teams there. Love both coaches. They get their team to play hard. Uh, Matt Rule is just a fantastic coach for Baylor. Turn that program around, he'll get NFL interest. Uh, Orange Bowl, Florida, Virginia, two solid teams there. Florida's been solid all year, top 15, ranked team all year, all season long. Peach Bowl, um, we got LSU-Oklahoma, 1-4, LSU getting that one seed for the college football playoff. And then Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State-Clemson, 2-3, Ohio State-2, Clemson-3. Um, just kind of going over the bowls, bowl, bowl schedule, bowl games there um, with the playoffs kind of starting uh, – Late in the month, lay that out there as they came out yesterday. Um, won't cover, don't anticipate covering college fo- football until uh, around game time. Not much to really cover. We got three weeks until the games, roughly, a little under there. So there's that around the NFL. Ryan Tannehill, will start there. Six and one since becoming the starter, taking over from Marcus Mariota joins Aaron Rodgers as the only players to complete 75% of their passes with a quarterback rating of 130-plus in three straight games in NFL history. Only joining Rodgers, it's kind of really significant, honestly, considering it's Tannehill number one, considering the NFL and how the offense has shaped and um, evolved over the past couple years. And he joined Russell Wilson as the only players with four straight games with two-plus passing touchdowns and a rating of 125-plus in NFL history. So what Tannehill's doing, it's not a fluke. It's not just pulling out wins here. He's been playing awesome. We'll see how that continues. They got Houston, New Orleans, Houston their last three games, and they got they control their own destiny. They went out there in the playoffs. Um, they have a chance to win their, win their division if they beat Houston and beat New Orleans and Houston loses another game on top of that to the one to Tennessee. So Tennessee is in good shape right now. Vrabel's done a great job, and Derek Henry's just been playing lights out. I feel like they aren't even talked about as much as they should with how they're playing. Uh, the last four games, we'll start with Tannehill, 13 of 19, 180 yards, two touchdowns, 14 of 18, 250 yards, two touchdowns, 17 of 22, 180 yards, two touchdowns. 21 for 27, 390, three touchdowns. Henry, 188 rushing yards, two touchdowns. 150 rushing yards, two touchdowns. 149, one touchdown. 100 rushing yards, two touchdowns. They've won all four games. Those are stat lines for those two guys. I mean, they've been unreal. Putting up 30 and 40 consistently each and every week. They've just been on a roll. On to the Dolphins, I mean... They've just been fantastic. I love this Dolphins team. I love Brian Flores. I think he's a fantastic coach. I'm excited for them next year. Like I said before, and I've been saying all year, I'm just so excited for this team to see them going forward, the draft capital they have. They're a two-point conversion and botch officiating away from a 5-4 and four record since the bye week. Their roster consists of 42% undrafted free agents. 50% of their projected opening day starters have moved on or are gone from the team. It's a testament to coaching and just how fantastic Flores has been and the culture they've built there in just a short time. Um, on to a few injuries, a few notes. Um, Bears coach Matt Nagy confirms Roquan Smith, torn peck, headed to season-ending injured reserve. It's a blow for the young linebacker in their season. Um, he's going to have surgery to repair it. He's out for the year, obviously. But um, the Bears team that was kind of turning it around, uh, getting away from their abysmal play and playing solid. Uh, he's important for their defense. has been growing all year. Uh, he'll be ready for next year, though. There's that with Smith. Um, Richard Sherman's MRI showed a grade two hamstring strain. He was injured yesterday. Um, doubtful for Sunday night game against the Falcons. Um, Excuse me, not Sunday night, just Sunday's game against the Falcons. He's doubtful for that. Uh, We'll get into more 49ers injuries and games later on in the episode. Kareem Jackson, cornerback for the Broncos, spent nine years in Houston. um, Reportedly spent all week talking to rookie QB, Drew Locke, who played awesome. Told Locke everything he knew about playing in Romeo Cornell's defense. Um, Just a testament to leadership and just... Fig Fangio and the competitiveness that they're playing with, despite being a team that has no shot at making the playoffs. I really like this Denver team. I'll jo- dive in, excuse me, to Drew Locke and how he played this week later on in another episode coming. Um, Leonard Williams, Giants playing tonight. He was acquired at the trade deadline from the Jets. He said if he do- doesn't get a top tier offer from the Giants, which can break news here. He most certainly will not, will be shocked if he does. He will hit free agency. So Williams likely hitting free agency with his expectations of a top-tier contract. They signed their punter, Riley Dixon, to a three-year, $8.7 million extension. Locked him up. Good deal for a good punter to kind of have him at three-year average. Um, no word yet on guarantees, so $3 million at most, per year is good for your books. Um, I mean, that's less than 5% of your books right there for important parts special teams. Special teams are always underrated. Back to the Broncos real quick with a great stat. Tight end, Noah Fant needs only 97 receiving yards over the next three games to move past Ozzie Newsom for 12th best rookie receiving for a tight end all time. Great season from the rookie. Um, consistently, rookie tight end's struggle coming out of the gates in their first year it's one of the hardest positions outside of quarterback obviously few others to pick up especially given the state of the college football game the aerial attack but Fant has been awesome for the Broncos only gonna get better in his young career so there's around the league few notes there spent a few minutes with that college football we'll dive into Monday Night Football preview right here and then we got um few games as i mentioned just a reminder follow our instagram account at the zone press and our twitter at the zone press underscore for all news all graphic design doing something different than anything you see it's a great follow and a way to keep up on all the news we consistently and every single time beat bleacher report nfl nba all the league accounts all your news accounts we beat them so go give that a follow also subscribe and rate and review to this podcast Our The Tip-Off podcast, we got the First Pitch podcast coming soon for baseball, and we got a few other ideas coming out soon. A bunch of content that's going to be awesome, so uh, go visit our site, thezonepress.com, follow us on our socials, as I mentioned. Into our Monday Night Football preview, I mean, not much really to cover, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We got the Giants at the Eagles. Eagles, only chance to make the playoffs is by winning division. Giants certainly out. Um, that's pretty obvious there. Daniel Jones has uh, flown under the radar with how poor his play has been um, since that big flashy win over the Buccaneers early in the season. But um, back to the Eagles really quickly. Using uh, 538's ELO percentages, uh, obviously their division and playoffs, uh, chances are the same. As I covered, their only way to make the playoffs is uh, winning the division, but 42% chance of that happening, entering the game tonight, 47% with a win, 16% chance of getting the division locked up and into the playoffs with a loss tonight. They need to end their three-game skid. Tonight is almost certainly a must-win for them. Giants, Eli returning, not much to cover. I don't really want to talk about the Giants and spend time on them. I expect them losing tonight. If they end up winning... I'll give a few minutes on them tomorrow, but this late in the season, uh, we got a great finish, a bunch of contenders, seven-team race in both both conferences, eight-team race in the NFC with the Rams included in this division. NFC East, what a terrible division, but that's what the offseason's for, is covering teams like the Giants. If they get a win, like I said, I'll give a few minutes tomorrow, but not much to cover. I mean, the Eagles should certainly win. They lead the Giants in every team stat except uh, yards passing, which gives to their biggest weakness uh, in their receiving core. But points per game, Giants nineteen, Eagles twenty three. Points allowed per game, the Giants allow twenty eight on average, the Eagles twenty three. The uh, the Eagles got the Giants in total yards by twenty. Um, they're behind in yards passing per game by only six. So it's just a testament again to how bad the Giants are with how terrible the Eagles receiving core is. Eagles have the Giants yards rushing per game by 30 yards, 120 to 95, 25 yards. A few change that didn't really give in to their yards allowed. Um, Giants allow 40 more yards per game, um, about 30 more pass yards per game, and a staggering 40 rushing yards per game more allowed. Um, I don't really think that will haunt them tonight with the Eagles not really having a, a electric running offense. I mean JJ coming back. We'll see what the Eagles game plan is tonight. I mean haven't devoted a ton of time to them this season, but I expect a win. They have more talent all over the board. I expect them to stop the Giants offense. I mean not much with the, not much to stop there, but I expect the Eagles win like I said. On to the Sunday night game. Seahawks, Rams. Um, I mean, rushing the ball, that's that's Seattle's forte. That's their strength. That's what they designed their whole offense around. Entering the game, we knew that the Rams defense, that's what they were, that's what their strength is on defense. They stopped the run. Um, first drive for Seattle. I mean, I'll cover the first drive here. I think think, excuse me, it was important and foreshadowed the whole entire game. Um, they were able to move the ball down the field rushing, nothing in the passing game. They were able to, the Rams, that is consistently rush with four in passing situations every time they pass on this drive. Not one time did he have time to throw. Ended with a field goal close in Rams territory. That, to me, epitomized the whole game. You can take that, stretch it over the whole game. That kind of, it gives it that whole look. I mean, the Rams offensive line, They got pushed consistently on rushing downs. Um, Seattle never really controlled the edges. Um, They did a really nice job. The Rams did what I think really was the key for them this game and what they attacked. They attacked Clowney on the edge, took him away, pass rushing. I mean, that's something that I think they were able to really do well with their offensive line, their health, the current state of it, it being a better group in the league. And then Clowney being the only real threat pass rushing-wise on uh, Seattle's front line, able to take him away, use different stunts, send double teams, misdirection. They had a ton of misdirection in this game, sweeps, rollouts, consistently in their play-action game, not just from the shotgun. They were really able to attack the edges, the flats, the back-end corners of the zone, not the corners for Seattle. I'm talking you get past the corners, above the corner, Right to the safety, left to the safety. They took those back ends away from Seattle, won that battle. They consistently beat the Seahawks secondary all game long. That was a deciding factor. Wagner and the defensive uh, linebackers for Seattle, they played well, were able to take some things away, but weren't able to get out into the flats on the zone that way they were playing. Los Angeles clearly came into the game with that as their focus, and they did a good job executing. Um, they won all the edges, as I mentioned. And their misdirection was just impressive. I mean, I can't go over it enough. They were just doing well. I mean, you don't got to have big gains when you consistently can get three to six yards every single play. And that's what they're doing, moving the ball downfield. Um, Quandre Diggs, pair of interceptions. To touch on Jared Goff really quickly, back to Diggs in a second. I mean, Goff, I've been on Goff all year, all last year. He's not that impressive. Seahawks defense makes him look good. that contract is going to come back to bite the Rams, but played well this game, taking advantage of what the Seahawks gave him. McVeigh put him in a great spot, like I mentioned, with all the misdirection, the things I noted. Quandre digs, though, a pair of interceptions, did great job reading. Goff's eyes gives testament as to why the Lions were so disappointed, the Lions players, that is, when they traded him away. Um, there was an uproar there. Seahawks were happy to get him. He's been playing awesome for the Seahawks. Um third quarter was great for Seattle. They kind of won the edges back, won the secondary back, were able to get back to the ground game, have some success passing. Um, it was a little too late. Seattle's not built to play from behind. Collinsworth mentioned that a little bit. Like I said, their strength is running the ball. Um, but they're just not able to get anything going passing wise, not able to open up that secondary with Weddle Rap. Peters back there, not (laughs) Peters on the Ravens, Ramsey, excuse me kind of get those two mixed up when I think of those guys look at them um with the trade i mean they're both so uh electric they're kind of at the forefront of that secondary but that secondary has almost become underrated to me with how well they can play on the back end um but i mean the rams defense showed up with phillips there and late in the game stopped a seattle signature run um a few notable notes i mean from seattle the seahawks record in december from 2012 to 15 15 and 3 they're a team that finished well that ended the season hot into the playoffs their record in december from 2016 to 19 the last four seasons nine and seven they used to peak in december not anymore that's false they're an average team in december the last four seasons Their point differential in the Russell Wilson era, 2012 to 2019. We'll just go in order here. Plus 167, plus 186, plus 140, plus 146. The last four years, like I mentioned, plus 62, plus 34, plus 81. Through 13 games this season, he's a plus 20. Um, Their offense is, that is, it speaks to the evolution of the defense. And their ability to get big leads and keep them for Seattle's offense. That has not been the case the last four years with the evolution of that defense. So a lot to dig in standings-wise throughout the week. That's uh, what I took away. What I learned from this game was a big game this week, one that was very important standings-wise and a lot to take away from this game. Um, We'll dive into more what it means later on in the week, but there's that. On to 49 ers Saints. Blowout for neither team. A lot of predictions were that coming into the week is that 49ers defense is going to be able to hold the Saints. They were going to dominate them, which I thought was absurd. Or were the Saints that were going to run them out of town with their offense and home home field in the dome. But no, uh, most of that came from NFL Twitter, which I can't stand. But 49ers getting the win uh, walk-off wise. 48-46 48-46 for the last second field goal. Um, lost in excitement, the 49ers win. The injuries they suffered. I think it's very important to cover. so why I'm starting with it. Their center, who's massively important in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Weston Richburg carted off with a knee injury. We'll find out more on all these later on today. Defensive end, D Ford, left game with a hamstring injury. Richard Sherman, left with a hamstring injury, covered him earlier. Three big injuries there. Jimmy Garoppolo, fantastic this game, really showed why they gave him that money, his chance to become a franchise quarterback, 74% completion percentage, 26-35 of on throws, 349 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, the interception was bobble tip, not his fault, 10 yards per attempt, 130.7 QB rating, so fantastic game from Garoppolo. Um, New Orleans, four straight drives opening the game, scored. Jared Cook out with a concussion after the third drive there. Um, It was clear from the beginning that that was their attack. That's how they're going to attack the 49ers was their main center point being of the offense, Jared Cook. He went out with a concussion, slowed their offense down a little bit. They were able to make adjustments, um, but 27 points in the first half. They were able to get um, 19 in the second. Eight-point difference, not much, but when you consider the flow of the game and how strong they came out, and then just the kind of dip second, third quarter, played played a role and had an impact. The 49ers trading for Emmanuel Sanders helped Debo Samuel more than anybody. Since the trade, um, Debo Samuel, 10th in the NFL in receptions and 9th in yards, has the third most yards after the catch and has forced more missed tackles than anyone. He's a rookie. I can't speak enough to how great that play is for them. It's awesome. Debo Samuel has been great with uh, Dante Pettis in the doghouse for Shanahan still. Emmanuel Sanders has been awesome. Garoppolo seems to love him. Um, Seeding wise for New Orleans. Actually, let's go, let's finish up with a few notes for Samson, San Francisco um interesting coming into the game to look at their snaps and their touches with uh Brita coming back Mostert playing well Tevin Coleman in the backfield Mostert 38 snaps 12 touches Breda, 12 snaps Coleman 10 snaps Mostert seems to be the guy he's been playing awesome New Orleans seating wise I mean to take away really quickly got to touch on what I learned from this game I mean I'm not really surprised or I don't take away anything from the Saints in this game. They lost to a great team. This is the two best teams, in the NFC going head on. And you're you're acceptable with this loss because of the caliber of team that you played. And there are other losses to the Rams when Breeze went out and Falcons division opponent staff changing um, with that defense turning around. So three respectable wins. The Saints are awesome. Um, I just, I learned that their defense was not going to be able to hold up as well as I thought against the 49ers and that kind of offense and play calling in the playoffs, but we'll see they got room to grow. They got three more weeks, but, uh, it's a, it's an okay loss to, for new Orleans, except in the regards of seating, um, green Bay win and new Orleans loss means that the saints desperately need green Bay to lose one of their remaining games. Chicago, Minnesota, and at Detroit. Um, the Saints will likely not get a bye and face a steep uphill climb in the playoffs if uh, Green Bay doesn't lose to Chicago, Minnesota, or Detroit. Um, it's more than likely that uh, Green Bay gets that bye. For the NFC West, a 96% chance whoever wins that division gets a bye. So that's all but locked up. Um it's going to be hard to get a rematch of this game because the Saints, they need that bye. Um, third seed for them is going to be tough to overcome. They need the that dome, that home field advantage has become apparent um, in this Peyton Breeze run. Uh, we'll dive into seeding and what it means a little more throughout the week, as I mentioned, for the other game. But uh, It's important that they get some help now. They had the ability to control their own destiny, but... Not anymore. They need a little bit of help with Green Bay to lose a game and them to win out. But uh, we'll see there. Ravens-Bills. Buffalo had 10 days to prepare. The Ravens came out, got that win 24-17 against the Bills. Buffalo didn't really help themselves field position-wise, special teams. A few bad punts. Um, they gave Ravens great field position. You can't do that against Ravens. You cannot beat yourself against Lamar Jackson, this team. I mean, they seem like they're on their path to the super bowl. You can't, you, you just got to play. You got to limit mistakes. You got to play extremely well, almost perfect in that regard to not give them anything easy. Um, Ravens running attack flourished all game. They had a uh, consistent gains. Not many big runs. I mean, Mark Ingram had three plus three runs, five yards plus. Lamar popped a few off for 10 yards, a little more, but not, not the signature big run out of that. Um, turning point in the first half for me. It was second and eight late in the first quarter. Early on in the game, Allen's looking good. They feel like they have the Ravens defense in a position that can score on them. They were able to run the ball, move the ball a little bit. Ravens brought six on a Beasley fake. They faked the handoff. Allen rolled out, um, got a sack. Next play, brought six. Again, fumble by Allen, recovered, led to a Ravens touchdown. You can't do that against the Ravens, as I mentioned. Swung, though. First half, Ravens were able to score. They came with many tendency breakers on offense, though, the Ravens, that is. Results were hit and miss against an impressive Bills defense, as we've seen. Well-coached and talented. I mean, we saw them against the Cowboys last week, Lamar this week, and they're going to be on Sunday night. They're oppressive. They're legit. They're well-coached. They were able to stop the Ravens 24 points. Um, that's stopping the Ravens indeed with how great they've been. The Ravens continue the use of the pistol. I mean, it was heavy in this game. I encourage you to go watch the game. It was just play after play after play. They're in pistol. They're in wing um, with multiple backs, multiple tight ends. Um they use the pistol far more than any team entering the game. They used it 219 times in the first eight games. That is rest of the league combined 200 times. So they use it an insane amount. Um, I mean, Lamar was just probably my biggest takeaway from the game. My last one here, Lamar's like unreal. The throws he's making is just fantastic. It's total high candy. Um, Like I mentioned, I feel like this team could be on their way to the Super Bowl. I don't, I rarely bet against the Patriots, but it's looking like I have to do that now. But um, we'll see here. But just, he was so impressive, eye test wise. So many great throws, so many throws that, not so many, a few that didn't count that were just insane because of penalties. But I encourage you to go look at that. He's been awesome this year, obviously. The MVP awards are all but locked up in his. Um, that's what I took away from this game. Impressive win; they got it done, twenty-four seventeen. Um, that's my takeaways from those games today. We got more games all week, with about a half an hour episode here, a little under that. Um, more to cover. Like I mentioned, follow our socials at the Zone Press Instagram at the Zone Press underscore Twitter. Um, like I said, better than any other page out there. We consistently beat everyone with a great uh, digital content team. The site, thezonepress.com, more content coming up there with a little relaunch. Um, yeah, but continues to subscribe. More content, more podcasts. They'll be announced on the socials. Um, new podcasts out tomorrow. Uh, again, we'll cover more games, covered news, and uh, more coming. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, reva- <laughs> subscribe rate, and review. Please, please, please. It helps us go up the charts and uh, gives us more plays, more sponsors coming and all that. So uh, we need it and we'd appreciate it. Uh, again, I'm going to keep plugging it because it's what we are. Follow our socials at the zone press on Instagram, at the zone press underscore at the end for Twitter. Um, have a good day. Thanks for listening.